You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for listening to our program here this morning on this Monday morning of, uh, what is today, the 21st of uh, March. And actually, we are taping this program today because of uh, some scheduling conflicts we have. We have to be down in Springfield and do some other uh, meetings next week, so we're taping it. And we are offering the Supreme Sacrifice. Uh, my first guest and myself would uh, <laughs> would really like to go watch the Loyola Ramblers hopefully beat Ohio State by the time this program airs. We'll know the outcome of that, but we're confident that Loyola will prevail. And uh, we couldn't have the other director of the major scholarship granting organization on this morning because he, like myself, uh, graduated from Marquette University, and neither of us uh, fared very well with our basketball team yesterday getting shellacked by the University of North Carolina. But So that's our NCAA uh, update uh, for all those people who really wanted to hear that. Uh, so here's, let's go over the rundown this morning. We have uh, with us, our first guest will be, in a second, uh, Anthony Holter. He is the uh, president, I see. I thought you were executive director, but president sounds um, important, uh, of Empower Illinois, one of the major SGO scholarship granting organizations in our state. He's going to talk to us about the scholarship tax credit program, about a report that came out recently on it, a favorable report. Uh, after that, we'll switch gears. Uh, we'll stay in the education subject matter. Uh, we're going to be talking to the superintendent of schools in the Rockford Diocese, just north and west uh, here of Chicago. And uh, his name is Vito Francisco. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about his trials and tribulations and hopefully looking forward uh, on the masking problems and challenges they've had and what uh, they're looking forward to here in the upcoming couple weeks, months, hopefully forever, uh, with regarding how they handled that situation. And finally, we have a very interesting guest at the conclusion of our program. Her name is Megan Dugan Adele. Uh, she is a fellow at a group called the New America Initiative, I believe it is. And there's a very interesting report that group has put out. It's something that the conference has been participating in some advocacy efforts about what to do about predatory lending. People who take out loans who cannot necessarily afford them and find themselves in, in deep financial peril. Uh, there's been legislation uh, passed, and uh, Megan's group has put out a very interesting report about who has taken those loans in the past and uh, where they live and, and how hopefully this will be a problem of the past and we can move forward um, without the, that product available to people. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about some of the policy issues surrounding that. So that's an outline of our show here this morning. And so without further ado, let's bring in, uh, if that's a word, ado, further ado, uh, without further delay. Uh, well, let's bring in Anthony Holter. He's the president of Empower Illinois. Anthony, you're with us. There he is. 
Bob, I'm with you. Yeah, good morning. How are you this morning? We're doing well. We're doing well here on a Friday morning, actually Monday morning. Uh, so, Anthony, tell us a little bit about uh, things that Empower are chugging right along. It looks like, uh, what are we, in year four or five of the, of the longevity of this program? And uh, you have put out a report recently uh, about some of the updates on what who's getting the scholarship and, and what they're doing. Tell us just a little bit about uh, what's going on at Empower with regard to this uh is it the four-year report? Is that what year we're in? Four yeah, years? thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Bob. Happy to do that. Yeah, so it's the year four report. We're kind of always looking in the rearview mirror when we're reporting on these things. So uh, we completed uh, year four at the end of uh, 2021, um, and are now actually issuing scholarships uh, for the 2022-2023 school year. So we've got the calendar year for the tax purposes, funding scholarships on a school year basis. Um, you know, the high-level takeaways from this report, um, thankfully, show all the same trend lines uh, moving in the same direction, and that's uh, more and more demand for scholarships. This past year, in, in uh, 2021, uh, we had uh, about 30,000 kids in line. That's kids raising their hands saying they want, would love a tax credit scholarship to attend their best fit school. And we're able to award almost 6,200 scholarships. So it's more scholarships than we've ever awarded in the past, uh, but it still means at the same time, uh, for every one scholarship that's issued, there are five kids in line who don't get one. So we've got more work to do there. And the donation side as well, uh, we don't have the final numbers from IDOR just yet, but it's looking like it'll be a record year in 2021 uh, with you know probably uh, 70 six to maybe 80 million dollars in tax credit scholarships raised that's uh, up from 67 and a half million the year before so more dollars than ever raised more scholarships than ever issued uh, but still not enough um, demand is incredible and uh, we know that uh, you know these numbers behind every single number is a real family with a real student yeah. who wants a real opportunity at, at a great uh, great fit uh, school is um have you guys ever done the math in terms of if you waved a magic wand uh i think you said there's thirty thousand uh applicants waiting that couldn't get it yep. there's six thousand that did and that ra that ratio it's funny that four to one five to one ratio is pretty much consistent uh you know we've been meeting with legislators and i'd say in almost every district it pretty much breaks that down that way although there was right. one the other day i wound up there uh, 42 percent of the of the scholarships were awarded it was, it was kind of an aberration but most of them are in that you know that that range i'm just wondering like if you could wave a magic wand and i i, I don't know if, if you guys have done this but is there a dollar figure that you have out there that would uh meet all the demand for like you said there's thirty thousand. so like what would it take is it yeah. are we in the are we because the program's capped at 100 million i think that's what the state law right. says and obviously it'd be more than that but is it are we in the millions or uh, are we close or like what what would the cap have to be to meet the demand yeah, that's a great question, Bob. We'd need uh, just over $196 million uh, to meet the demand. Okay. That's that's just from Empower Illinois. As you mentioned earlier, right. uh, certainly Big Shoulders Fund is another um, leading scholarship granting organization in the state. There are a, a few others as well. Um, but just for Empower Illinois, if we were to clear our wait list, it would take over $196 million. That would be almost a doubling of the current um, program cap. I want to talk a little bit about donors because we hear, you know, our 
our world is so Springfield centric, and and so that's right. not <laughs> representative of the general population. But we have to deal with lawmakers, and they ask very good questions about who's given, why they're given, that kind of thing. You know, and, and the accusation has been made is that this is just a program for the wealthy to get a tax credit, so they don't have to pay their taxes. But do you want to talk a little bit about who actually is donating and how much they're donating, and like like who is the donor class in this case? Yeah, um, certainly. And, and you're absolutely right. We get this question all the time, uh, you know, who, who's donating, uh, kind of what's the profile. So a couple of things that can speak uh, specifically to Empower Illinois are mm-hmm. median donations. So that's the one that's right in the middle. Half the donations are more than this and half of them are less than this. The median donation is $3,000. Our most common donation is $1,000. So, um, you know, these are not multi-millionaires making multi-million dollar uh, contributions, although we have some very generous individuals who are making significant donations. That is true. Um, But the majority of our uh, donations in terms of the number of people donating um, are in a much more modest range. And we believe that's really important that, you know, every individual citizen who has tax liability, who cares about kids and education, has an opportunity to participate, and our numbers certainly bear that out, that we get a wide variety of individuals from all economic means uh, contributing to this program. Yeah, it's important because the more donors you have, the, the more advocates you have to continue the program. Um, it is a challenge. I mean, the whole scholarship tax credit dynamics of the way the program works is a challenge for a donor because, unfortunately, the way the program works is that in order to get the credit, you have to put the money forward in one year. Then you get the credit the next year. The good news is those for us who filed our taxes now are, are anxiously waiting for that little uh, notice from the IRS or the state yes. saying that. And so that's that's a nice thing. It's a little painful when you have to write that check, but it does come back. And so it, it, you have to do it eventually. So um, it's one of the challenges of the program. Anthony, we'll talk, let's talk about that. You know, I mean, this program has been around four years. Um, it's doing well. It could be better. It could be a lot worse. Um, other states, uh, I think this is common in every state. It, it, there's growing pains. You know, you, you try something, you experiment with it. Uh, some things work, some things don't. You, you, you go back to the legislature or the powers that be and you try to fix them. What changes would, if you could wave a magic wand, what, what were the changes that you would make to the program to make it better for the, for the donor and for the, or for the recipient? Yeah, certainly. I mean, as you well know, Bob, there is no uh, perfect law. And, no. and sometimes even the, the most best designed, the best designed policy, uh, when it becomes implemented, you, you start to see things that, um, you know, that could improve it. Like you said, for kids and families, for donors, for schools, in this case, for all constituents. Um, you know, we're advancing a, a bill right now uh, uh, that's being led by Representative Curtis Tarver in the House and sponsored by Cunningham in the Senate and many uh, generous chief co-sponsors and co-sponsors that address uh, some really important issues, one of them being super priority. That's what we call um, the feature of the law where if a student gets a scholarship one year, they are at the front of the line to get the scholarship the next year. You might ask, why is that important? Well, these programs are most effective when there can be some certainty of continuity for students. Imagine a student who switches from uh, one school uh, to attend a a private school through a tax credit scholarship, but only knows on a year-to-year basis uh, that 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 scholarship might or might not be available. Um, I know most schools, in fact, not all all schools that we work with, 
when they admit a student, whether it's a K-8 elementary school or a high school, they're making a commitment for that full education journey. And so we want, uh, you know, the scholarship uh, support to match that commitment as much as we possibly can. Uh, so that, you know, that's a big priority and it's, um, uh, you know, receiving a strong support from folks uh, in the House. The bill passed the House 114 to nothing and now on to the Senate. So we're, we're very hopeful there, certainly. Um, but I, I would say the biggest, uh, you know, issue that, that we face is the uncertainty that comes with a program that has a built-in sunset. Yeah. And we were very fortunate last legislative session to receive a one-year extension of the program. It was set to sunset uh, December 31st of 2022. Thankfully, we have one more year. Um, it might not seem like a lot, but as you know, that one year means a great deal. It, it means uh, more kids, uh, more scholarships, more dollars, more certainty. And um, that's critically important. It gives us another opportunity as well to meet with more lawmakers to let them know just how vitally important uh, this program is. We're talking with Anthony Holder. He's the president of Empower Illinois, talking about the scholarship tax credit. Um, Let's take a quick break. Uh, I think he's coming back after the break. So uh, he'll come back after the break. Uh, Let's jump off right now, and uh, we'll come back after this message. Don't go away. that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supplied bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, Our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also 
nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. We deal with uh, public policy issues, mostly at the state capitol in Springfield. and also do some national things with USCCB. Um, legislature is in full swing right now. Uh, today is March 21st. The program is there on March 21st. And uh, we are very grateful that it appears we only have uh, about three weeks left in this legislative session. It's been abbreviated a little bit because the Illinois primary is coming up. And in a future show, we'll talk a little bit about uh, issues that Catholics should look for and how to discern who to vote for and how to cast their ballot. But uh, we have a, a primary coming up on, in June, uh, June 28th. And then the, the general election will be in November. I think it's like November. 8th. So uh, a lot going on at the legislature. It looks like it's going to be, uh, we hope, uh, easy landing uh, this year because um, one of the things that usually gets us hung up is the budget. But this year, because there is so much revenue coming into the state from uh, not only from the federal sources, but also uh, some of these increased taxes we're paying for gas and other things that uh, it looks like those hard decisions are not going to be as hard to make this year when you have money to spread around. So we're optimistic that the legislature will conclude uh, in the next uh, three weeks or so. And then, um, as Anthony was saying earlier, we'll be uh, preparing in the off months to uh, figure out uh, how we can get this program renewed next year. Anthony, we're talking uh, it, during the break, uh, before the break, about the program and who gets the program and uh, what scholarships are rewarded and who donates and some of the challenges to the program. Um, I'm just kind of curious to, if you have any anecdotes about like what what do parents say about the program, about the scholarship? Um, what do they find good, bad, or indifferent about it? Yeah, I mean, we hear from uh, from parents uh, all the time, and and from schools as well. Um, you know, they I would say uh, first and foremost, uh, what we hear is uh, deep gratitude. Yeah, um, these are these are families who know that um, that you know the schools are uh, private school can be expensive, and sometimes that puts it out of reach uh, for them. And this program is then the vehicle 
uh, where uh, for many of them, they're kind of the dreams for their children can come true to attend their best fit school, whether that's a, a Catholic school or a Jewish school or an arts school or, you know, a Montessori school. We partner with all, all kinds of schools and, and um, families, I would say, first and foremost, are, are deeply, deeply grateful. Um, if they have uh, questions or concerns, we hear this from families and donors alike. Um, I would say, uh, and I have shared this with some lawmakers as well, I, we, we hear two things from parents, two questions. The first one is, can this be real? Uh-huh. Like, does really? this pro- can this program really exist? Can this be real? And the second question is, how long will it last? Uh-huh. Um, and, and I would say, uh, you know, those are very, very real uh, questions um, that the parents face and, and oftentimes fear. Um, because they know the impact that these scholarships make, not just for their students, which is critically important, but for the whole family. Uh, I think, Bob, you and I were at the same event a couple years ago now, where father got up to speak. It was in a, uh, an upstairs gymnasium yep. at a, a, a Catholic school in Chicago. And, you know, he said uh, he was so grateful to be a recipient of the scholarship for his two uh, young girls. Um, he said now because he only has to work two jobs instead of three and can be the father that his girls deserve. Yeah. I mean, I still get goosebumps and tears in my eyes. I agree. Just thinking about that. Yep. Um, so these scholarships are good for kids. Absolutely. Uh, they are good for families. Um, there's no, no doubt about that. And, um, you know, what we want to do is make sure that it's around as long as it possibly can be, hopefully forever. Uh, to continue uh, this positive impact uh, for so many, so many kids. No, I uh, agree with you. I, I agree with you. And, and when you see the tenacity of some of these parents um, and what they're willing to do to advocate for the program to continue because they know the importance, as you indicated, what it means to them and that gentleman that you're referencing. I, I tell that story all the time. Uh, yeah, it, it was very powerful. And, and the man spoke, you know, kind of broken English a little bit. But gosh, you could just feel the American story in his bones. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so heartwarming to see that and and that's what this program's about trying to help individuals like him and his family and and you know when i know those kids when they grow up they're gonna they're gonna move the ball further i mean they're gonna be contributing members of society and and that's what it's all about if we can help that in any way we should we have a moral obligation to do that i want to talk a little bit about uh, now maybe go kind of national um you know, the, the, Illinois is really interesting. I mean, we are considered, you know, not to get into the politics of it, we're considered a blue state. Uh, and it seems like most of the school choice programs are in quote unquote red states. So we're, uh, in my opinion, we're a positive outlier. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are looking at Illinois and scratching their heads like, how'd you guys do that? But talk a little bit about school choice nationally. I mean, if you were a stock picker, would you be buying it or selling it or, um, do you think there's legs to this movement here or are we peaked out or what do you think is going on? Cause I know you deal with some, it's not only in power, you, you deal with a lot of these groups nationally. So what, what are they saying? And what, what do you think the prognosis is on, on school choice programs writ large? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I, I would definitely say that there's a very strong tailwinds uh, for the school choice movement uh, nationally. Last year, legislatively, was one of the most successful years for the passage of new or expansion of existing uh, uh, school or parental choice programs in the country. Um, many of those programs uh, you'll see kind of taking the shape of uh, what's called ESAs or education savings accounts, kind of the most the maximum flexibility of where dollars are awarded to families and they can use them for school tuition, certainly, but um, you know, tutoring, after school programming, 
additional technology, uh, counseling, therapy, you know, it's kind of a, a wide array of the usage of those dollars. Um, so uh, all the programs look a little bit different uh, in, e in each state, but I would definitely say that, um, you know, that uh, the movement is, is growing and there's a strong support, not just in legislatures across the country, but you see increasing support um, from, you know, normal everyday citizens when asked their feelings about uh, school choice, whether it be a tax credit scholarship program uh, or an ESA. So um, again, I think strong tailwinds, I'm a buyer on this. Uh, and uh, I'm also, you know, just uh, perennially optimistic about creating uh, options for parents, uh, really with the belief that, you know, um, zip code or family income uh, shouldn't be the determinants of the quality of a child's education uh, or their educational options. Yeah, I and think just to, be, just to be very clear there, Bobby, you know, I, whether that's a great fit public school, uh, a great fit public charter school yeah. or, or a private school, we want all those options to be available. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. I, you're right. Uh, and, and I and I think what my next comment was or rhetorical question is um, with the changing nature of education today, uh, society's changing. And I think the whole COVID thing has rocked a lot of people's uh, work, home uh, balance. And you see a lot of different things now. And I think we're going to be working through that in the next couple of years or so. So my, my point is when you when there's been so much disruption to the work uh, environment, in it, it, albeit maybe you're at home more or you're mm -hmm. in the office or working remotely, whatever the thing is, uh, I, I do think that has a ripple effect to uh, the standard education that we, you and I, grew up with and, and that exists today is sort of, it's traced back to the agrarian, you know, quite <laughs> frankly, early 1900s. Um, and, and I think education's changing so much and you use the word options. And I think that's what parents are, and that's what voters, that's what taxpayers are looking for. They're looking for more options because that nine to five or whatever it was, well, nine to three school arrangement just is not applicable to as many people as it used to be. And and programs mm -hmm. like you're involved with and, and, and others as well. There's many other types. Uh, and some you see some adjustments even in the public schools to accommodate this, but this is all changing. And I and I hope you're right that this fits into that tailwind of support for more school choice. Yeah, you know, Bob, I grew up in a in a, a small rural uh, town in southern Minnesota, and um, you know there was kind of there were neighborhood elementary schools, but then everybody went to one public middle school and then one public high school. I, did, I didn't have a choice; my parents didn't have a choice, um, but we got lucky because we lived in a great community yeah. that had strong support for high quality public schools, and so that that. That lack of choice there um, was something that was, you know, not uh, not detrimental to me. In fact, I had a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I just, I think that that kind of model um, is not the case for everyone anymore. Um, and there are increased options, and um, if the, if if that model is available and it is a good fit, awesome. Uh, but if not, again, we we would love uh, for kids to be able, kids and families to be able to find that right fit. Uh, and I know there are so many quality options uh, here uh, throughout the state of Illinois. We partner with uh, almost all of them. I think 90, 95% of the private schools in the state uh, we're, we're very proud and honored to partner with in this, uh, in this program. 
And it worked. I'm looking at your bio. You got a doctor of philosophy from Madison. So, geez, must have worked. <laughs> I can't even spell philosophy. So you did better than I did. Yeah, I try to keep that. I try to keep that uh, under the radar. You know, <laughs> to, to expect too much out of me there. So. Yeah, right. Right. Well, we won't. We won't ask you about uh, Kant or something. I, I, I can't yes, think of philosopher off the top of my head. We'll, we'll save that for the next program. All right, Anthony. Thanks so much for taking some time. Uh, and uh, you want to make a prediction on the Loyola game, whether they won or not? Listen, I'm, I'm uh, Sister Jean. How can you go wrong back I'm, in her, right? She's going to be there. I'm a buyer. Too. They right. got to do it for her. Right. So. I'm with you. Right. Right. I'm yeah. with you. All right. Hey, thanks for taking some time. Uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, keep uh, plugging away at House Bill 4126. And um, let's get that program renewed next year. You got it, Bob. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Don't go away, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're gonna jump off. We're going to jump right back on with uh, Vito DeFrancisco. He is the superintendent of schools. And the Rockford Diocese is going to talk a little bit about the mask issue and how they have hopefully uh, conquered that and moved on. Spot Gilligan of the Catholic Conference. Don't go away. We'll be right back.